You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. And my name is Tyler Dravitz. I am the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we help pastors solve problems by serving as a remote executive pastor to churches around the country. Oh, you messed with your intro a little bit there. You know, I did it last week and you didn't notice. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. And last week it was like real smooth. This week I... Jumbled it just a little bit. Were you wondering, like, is he going to notice this time? Uh, No, I was trying to remember what I had done so eloquently last week. You thinking on the fly and having to talk at the same time is one of my favorite things. Yeah, yeah. My brain did not come with, like, the old school uh, anti-skip protection. It just, (laughs) that sucker gets dropped and it's immediately like a hot mess, so, All right. Well, last week we started a new series uh, talking about reframing ministry success and what what we focus on regarding church health. And so we're going to jump back into that. Okay. But before we do that, question of the day. Great. Let's do it. What do you love most about the state in which we live? So the state of Utah. Hmm. The food? Uh, No. How no one salts their food anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. If people don't know that, uh, that is like a real thing here. Like yeah. for whatever reason, with the exception of a handful of good restaurants, like even other like expensive restaurant, mm-hmm. like like I don't I don't know what the deal is, but like we don't really season food in Utah. Yeah. So not the food. Um, I I really like the. Uh, so I like how accessible it is. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to get around and there's not like tons of traffic. I think yeah. obviously that'll continue to change. But even as the the city's been growing, like mm-hmm. it's been manageable for sure. Yeah. And I just like that everything's like, it's just amazing how everything's like 30 minutes away. Like yeah. our airport or like we can get to Park City mm-hmm. and be in a whole different part of the world mm-hmm. or we could, you know, like go UTV. I just feel like it's like the most versatile place to live I've ever, and I've lived a number of places. Totally. And I just feel like it is the most versatile. I've, it doesn't get all the awesome stuff of a huge town, but we mm-hmm. get like lots of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, uh, sports teams and we have, you know, yeah. like we have stuff. Do what? And I just had a curiosity. What sports teams do we have? The Jazz <laughs> and the Grizzlies. No? Oh, what what is, is that, that? Isn't that? Is that the name of the like hockey team? Semi-pro hockey team? Maybe. Could be. <laughs> Someone fact check me on that if you would. Let me know. <laughs> the sports teams. I would say I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I, I My obvious one is like I love the proximity of the mountains. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing in moving here too was the the proximity of like urban life to mountains yeah. and outdoor life is pretty unique. Unlike, I mean, even in people always talk about Colorado, but if in Denver you're like an hour from the mountains. And At least, yeah. yeah. We're like 15 minutes, so that's great. I met your brother in Aspen not that mm-hmm. long ago, and I only drove from Salt Lake City, Utah, to Aspen an hour longer than he drove. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I really like is I like, so when we lived in uh, Chicago, 
if you wanted to do like a driving, like road trip vacation, uh-huh. there, I mean, apart from like a literally like the a Dells. 12, you could go or, to the Dells or a 12 hour drive sure. or a 15 yeah. hour drive. You just couldn't get. And then here inside of 10 hours, you can be in so many different places oh, yeah. that are awesome for vacation. And that I really, really like, especially Aspen, compared to Chicago. Vegas, the Grand Canyon, uh, lots of places California, in California. Yeah. Most of California, yep. Oregon, even I'm sure. Uh, Idaho. Well, I don't know. I go to Idaho. Sorry, Idaho people. <laughs> I, I don't like potatoes. There goes that much. our massive fan base in massive. Idaho. It's massive. <laughs> I would actually like to know if we have one person listening yeah, in the state of Idaho. That's right. Hit us up on social media, and we'll give you a prize. <laughs> Ty- Tyler will email you an apology. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, last uh, week, last yeah. week we talked about reframing ministry success. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do for the next couple of weeks is challenge this tendency that we all have, that we do all legitimately all have to equate success with a sizable and fast growing ministry. And so what we landed on last week, if you didn't get to listen to that, you can go back and listen. I think it's episode 44, maybe. Uh, we talked about how we've, we talked about the process that God has used to get us to this place, but that where we've landed is that for us, health trumps size every day. Mm. Uh, and so what we're looking for, the way that we measure success is largely health oriented. Okay. And so we're going to talk about some of the signs of health that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And uh, trying to cultivate in our culture, right. and so this week we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, trying to be a loving culture and how that happens, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I think where that comes from is is sort of starting with what did Jesus say? I know that sounds like a super like pastoral thing of like, well, what did Jesus say was most pastors, important? So we are pastors, loud. so it makes sense. So Mark chapter twelve twenty eight to thirty one. Oh, I thought it was a quiz. I was like, you know, I can see. What you're about to say. Oh, you thought I was going to ask you? Yeah, I thought you were asking me. I was like, well, it's right there. Can I just read it? Do you it? remember on Sunday when you were just after prayer, when you were like leading with your announcements with our team? Uh-huh. And I don't even remember what you were saying, but you're like, there's a verse that says this. It and then- did. <laughs> Two <laughs> are better one. than one. Yeah, it was the one. I just said the wrong half of it. <laughs> It was so great. A quarter three strands, but anyway, <laughs> which I did. The fir- I'll right. be honest. The first time I heard that, I thought three ninjas when you said mm. that. Quarter three strands. Remember oh, that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Great movie. Yeah. My daughter hates that movie so much. Oh, we've watched it. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> she the boys love it. Yeah. The boys love it. She yeah. hates it. Got it. All right. So, anyways, so thinking about what did what did Jesus say was most important, and then we come to Mark twelve. And it says uh, in verse 28, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So, uh, it's, I think it's interesting that um, when Jesus is, every time he's asked what is the greatest commandment, he always responds with two mm-hmm. rather than just the one. Mm. You would think it would be, well, love God. And he, he always combines that with love for people, sure. which is very, very significant. And so, but what is consistent between the two is this command to love. And so if love is the greatest commandment, it would make sense that as Christians leading in the local church, that that loving cultures would be... I don't know, our highest pursuit. 
Seems like it. Jesus said it's most important. And so our goal, even this year, the way that we've been articulating our vision for this year is to grow deeper in God and go deeper together. And so that's the way we're describing loving God and loving one another more. And so the question that we're going to talk about today is how do we go about cultivating a loving culture? Love it. Good? Yep. All right. So a few thoughts, and then we'll get into the practical stuff, Cool. which is where you really get to, to step onto the stage as the talent and uh, usurp the majority of the conversation that we're probably mm. going to have today. It's probably true. <laughs> okay. All right. So first, I think it obviously, uh, like everything else, this has to be taught. But I think oftentimes, especially for lead pastors, preaching pastors, when we hear the word teach, we immediately think like, well, I need to preach on this. And, um, and I think one thing that I really appreciate about the conversation that we had in preparation for this the other day was that you said how much behavior teaches more powerfully than words mm-hmm. that, that you can stand and teach on something as much as you want. But if your behavior betrays sure. what it is that you've been teaching it doesn't matter. Right. No matter how articulate you are. Yeah. Because your love has to be demonstrated. I mean, like God loved us and he demonstrated that, but God demonstrated his own love that totally. he sent his son. Like if he would have just been like, Oh, they're just going to die and go to hell. Shoot. But yeah. I do love them. That's right. not a thing. Right. It's, it's the demonstration of the love that we know God loves us. And so right. I think that that applies absolutely to our relationships with one another. Totally. And I would argue that culture is cultivated through behavior more than anything else. Like I'm, totally. I'm a big, like I believe in language. Like mm-hmm. I care about sentences and phrases and if they're yeah. not right, it makes me real twitchy. Yeah. And I still think that, that behavior matters way more than whether or not your cultural code rhymes. Sure. And I think, uh, especially when it comes to something like love, I think one of my pet peeves are those people who are regularly saying, you know, I love you, I love you, and there isn't that demonstration. Right. I just don't appreciate that. I think even uh, there are lots of churches that, like, want to, like, profess that from the front or say it over groups of people. And I think, again, apart from the demonstration that that's true, I just find it to be a very, very empty phrase that most, not most, but a lot of people uh, have really been wounded by that phrase being used empty other times in their life. And Mm -hmm. so I think we should be more cautious, not that we should say it less, but we should say it when we have the demonstration to mean it. Yeah, because in addition to not being loved well, you're also being lied to. (laughs) Right. And that doesn't feel awesome. And so, I mean, I think, but to your point, should it be used less? I think it should not be used until someone has really, and I think, and it should not be used constantly of in churches of like, we're a loving church until you've done the work to really diagnose, is that true? Sure. I do think that you should be reticent about like waving that flag. Do you have the evidence to to support support one of your favorite sentences? I know. (laughs) That's really every executive pastor listening. That is one thing they're like. What is the evidence to support that statement? Yeah. So culture is cultivated through behavior more Mm -hmm. than anything else. And so what we want to see is we want to see love demonstrated by our members, Mm -hmm. um, which is not really where we're going to focus the majority of our conversation today. But that's we're looking for that for sure. We're not going to spend the 
majority of time talking about what other people should do. <laughs> yeah. But most importantly, we really have a deep conviction that it should be role modeled by us. Absolutely. As leaders. Yep. That, that we are, we exclusively do not form the culture, but it doesn't form apart from us by right. any means. Right. And so we want to talk today about a few ways that we really are trying to role model love in our church. I like it. Good. Why don't yeah. you kick us off? What's yeah. the first one? So the first one is being patient with people. And I think that this is my least favorite one on our list. <laughs> it's absolutely true. It's just... I it's, did not... I didn't think... I didn't kick it to you because I thought it was your least favorite Well, yeah. One. I was like, thanks. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's just... It's a, a lot more challenging. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm someone who likes to like say things and then just have them done. And, yeah. you know, uh, that, it's just... It is a lot more difficult to have the same conversations over and over and over with people. Um, but I know that like that patience is, uh, is also demonstrated to me by mm -hmm. God, by the people who love me. And so, uh, it's so important, but really, really tough. Yeah. I know, <clears throat> I know that some pastors are really allergic to any comparisons between, um, a, a church organization and a business organization. Mm -hmm. Some pastors are real allergic to that. Yeah. Like even say anything that smells like that and they're, they're not happy. Yep. I'm not allergic to it. I okay. do not believe that the church is a business. No. I 100% emphatically do not believe that. What they do share in common is that they are both groups of people organized for a specific purpose. Right. So they are organizations in yeah. that sense. Yeah. And one thing I think that is very challenging about church leadership is um, there are <clears throat> the the relational lines are much more muddy oh, than they are like in the corporate world. Cause yep. in the corporate world is like, I tell you what to do and you do it or you no longer work here. Yeah. It's like, it's very, and I understand like black and white. there's, yeah. there's process, yeah. but it is that black and white. Like yep. you, there's only a certain amount of time sure. that you get to not do what you're paid to do. And then you no longer get paid to do this. Sure. And, and leading in the ministry world is not like that for one, you know, unless you're at a very large church, the majority of the people that you're leading and working with are all volunteer mm -hmm. firing volunteers never feels awesome no. to them or us. Mm -mm. <clears throat> and so I think whether it's it's in like leading teams or it is pastoral care and counseling, like it just isn't, it takes an immense amount of patience. But yeah. if the very first thing that Paul says love is, is love is patient, mm -hmm. then it, then it clearly is yeah. a critical demonstration of love. Yeah. And so I think, uh, by God's grace, I do think I'm getting more patient with people mm -hmm. the older I get. But I like, especially, I mean, I started in ministry when I was like 25 vocationally and I just, I was horribly impatient with people. Sure. And I think it's important to call out that patience doesn't mean you let things slide. Super good. Uh, it just means that um, our failures are not fatal. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's a thing that's important because um, if someone does something, uh, you know, it's a life mistake, mm -hmm. it's a ministry mistake, it's mm -hmm. whatever, and that's fatal and they are out, that's the problem. That's the yeah. lack of patience. Um, I think sometimes... Um, I, I would argue uh, it's also love to um, have the conversations you need to have and being willing to have them over and over and over again to help keep someone on board and to help keep them fixated on. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that even in our own church that uh, you, 
it's hard to have the same challenging questions with over and over again. Mm -hmm. But even as we talk about, we know um, that our church is the right place for them to be. Mm -hmm. And so it's our job as their pastors to keep them like on the boat. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes you would love to throw them overboard, (laughs) but that is not what we're talking about today. And then the trickle effect from that is, is as people have the experience of, by and large, of leaders being patient with them, the hope is they will then in turn be patient with exactly. one another yep. as well. Yep. That's good. All right. Patience with people. A second one is uh, we we try to, where appropriate, we can flesh this out a little bit, but we try to follow up on prayer requests. We've mm-hmm. talked, I think, in numerous episodes about yeah. the significant role that oh, man. prayer requests play in our You're church. You're not asking, like, I would say I've gone from asking to soliciting to demanding to guilting people. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, if you're not doing that, if you're Mm -hmm. not getting, I mean, our church is not humongous and we get dozens of prayer requests every week. Yeah. And if you're not getting that, man, you are missing out on a immediate connection into what's going on on the hearts and the minds Mm -hmm. of your people. And like, and like fix your system or process and get them. And I would say like legit prayer requests from people is what we're getting. Like very vulnerable, Mm -hmm. very, very little of like, will you pray for my aunt who lives in Texas and she's got a cat that's sick. Yeah. We don't get, I mean, every once in a while you get that, but by and large we get, and I think a lot of that has to do with the way that you frame it, which is, um, like think of it, you always say like, think of this like a status update. Yep. Status update. How am I doing? Yeah. Just like what's going on in your mind? Yep. Like what, what are you faced with this week? Is it a busy week? Is it yeah. a good week? Is it like, and I think working hard on that and then like, and don't sit here and listen to this and say, well, yeah, there's a prayer request card in the back of the chair. Mm-hmm. Nah, that's not soliciting mm-hmm. prayer. Like if you think about like a telemarketer that calls your house that you just can't hardly get off the phone with, that's soliciting. Yeah. That's literally what it is. Right. And so I think that putting yourself in a place where your people understand how very important it is. I think everyone in our church, even on the first week, recognize, and we get a lot of like, it's my first, first week oh, and, yeah. and I'm going to give you a prayer we request. We had a new thing. lady that submitted two prayer requests last Sunday. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she submitted one on one topic and then, I don't know, uh, a to go co- for two. couple hours later, we got another one. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. And I think uh, the people knowing, and then obviously, you know, be a good pastor and pray for your people. Yeah. Like don't just, you know, don't just read them like you're reading Facebook, but it does really give you, and you know, even though we've talked about this in the past, I don't assume that every listener goes back to number one and catches yeah. up. Yeah. And so I think you you have really been able to utilize those prayer requests as a great kind of um, as a great kind of fodder for what you're going to preach on. Yeah, you and get you they help um, themes. Yeah, give you like a thirty thousand foot view of are there themes where sure. in which we are struggling. Yeah, and they have been helpful in that regard for ten years. And I would oh, just yeah. say practically one way, like when you talk about like really make it a big thing. Like yeah. so we go so far as like we stop our service for. 60 seconds yep. after we've set it all up and tell people fill out your prayer request now. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, mean, it's part of their info yeah. card, but that's the main thing that it's, anyone's putting it's on the there. 60 seconds we do before I close in prayer. Yep. And maybe there's even some, like some nuance to that. Like people know, like, well, 
in order for him to let me go. Yeah, he's I watching can... me tight. Until my thumbs actually move, he will not let us move on. I'll just on. stand here and wait. Yeah. And if I haven't prayed, you know, we're, we're big into no religion, just Jesus. Yeah. But there's few people who are going to get up and leave before prayer. Yeah. And so I'll pray as soon as you're done doing your prayer request. That's how it goes. But I think I think a thing that has really been an important deposit in this cultural thing of like mm. prayer, the prayer request matters yep. is the fact that it is normative, not every single no. one, but it is normative for us to follow up on these prayer requests then in sure. a myriad of different ways. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, and again, there's not like, we don't have like a big, like uh, algorithm to do it. It's, it's genuinely just like letting the spirit lead that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like there's just certain ones as I read through them that like, like break my heart differently yep. or things that I'm, uh, really intrigued by sometimes or yeah. just like, you know, cause sometimes someone in our church, uh, had posted that they're going to start this new thing I had never heard of. And so my text was like, what is so this? What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Like I, I want to pray for you and what's going on, you know? And mm -hmm. I understood more about that. And so I think whether it be like we have texted people, called people, uh, sent cards in the mail. Mm -hmm. I think all of those kind of things and engaging with them as appropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, especially when they're more sensitive, those like kind of heartbreaking ones, it's very simple what I send. Like, I just want you to know, I, and what I like to do mm -hmm. just because of that kind of Christian thing of like, I'll pray for you. Mm -hmm. I like to text people after I've done it so yeah. that they know like, Hey, I just prayed I did for, pray you. for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and will be praying for you or whatever. But yeah. I just think that that, you know, I, I've gotten the feedback that people appreciate hearing it like that. I think, too, in addition to like letters and texts and all yeah. that kind of stuff, I think two things that I've tried to be intentional about. It even happened, I had a meeting this morning a couple hours ago. <clears throat> and in that, I was able to reference this person's prayer. Hey, last week on your prayer request, I noticed that you said this. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about it. Yeah. And so I think that's a huge thing when people know, like, yeah. wow, they're like Actually, pulling this yeah. Yeah. forward into this conversation. Another thing for me is Sunday mornings when I'm greeting people, if they have said like, I have this thing coming up this week and I see them and I remember, I don't have like, I do not have like a tremendous memory. Um, but I will say more often than not, I'm able when I see a person to recall, oh yeah, their prayer request last week was, yeah. and I'll ask them about it, totally. which is like a super human <laughs> basic thing to do. But I think it genuinely does convey to people like, wow, they're actually paying attention to sure. these things that we send in. So it does matter. And it does help me feel more connected to totally people. Does. I mean, uh, it's not what I do full time. Uh, mm -hmm. so I don't get to take the same kind of meetings with you and those types of things, yeah. uh, or that you do. And so I do have the ability to even interact with our pe people far more knowledgeably about like, Hey, so how's that job been going? You know, mm -hmm. And sometimes, honestly, I even forget why I know what I know. And so thankfully I'm not dumb to bring up in a mixed setting, like things mm -hmm. that are more sensitive, but yeah. whether like, you know, how's that job hunt doing? Or I know that we've got a couple in our church that are, are working on opening a coffee company and they had some issues with the space they were in and they're trying to sublet it. And yeah. I've got some details through conversation, some through prayer, but I can engage with them on all of it. Totally. Yeah. yeah which is huge. Yep. So yeah, patience with people, follow up on prayer requests. This is another one I'll let you speak to the majority of it because mm -hmm. you've come up with a way that helps me be good at this because sure. this is something that I'm not good at, right? which is uh, acknowledging birthdays. Yeah, and I just have to say, I think... There's all kinds of like methods out there. I've uh -huh. got I've got one church that the pastor handwrites cards to mm -hmm. everybody for uh, growing up in the church I grew up in. That was a practice. You mm -hmm. waited for your pastor nickel birthday card. It, yeah, it would get come in the mail. Uh, I think 
I think acknowledgement is what people really appreciate. And More than the specific mechanism that you yeah, use. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and so my acknowledgement, unless it's someone I'm in like really close relationship, like gift buying relationship mm-hmm. with that person, I send them a text message. Yeah. Hey, I just hope you have a great day. So thankful that God brought you to our Me church, too. that type of thing. And um, yeah. And so you want me to talk well, about Well, that's, well, I would just yeah. echo that. And that, yeah. I, and my reasoning for that would be that that tends to be my preference on my yep. birthday. Like it is meaningful to know that people are thinking about you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think because of, you know, the older you get, maybe the more relationships you have. But then, like, what I don't want to do is I don't want to spend all day long on the phone on no, my birthday. I hate it. Oh, so, gosh. like, getting, like, a hundred birthday – like, I honestly – the majority of them I let go to voicemail. And I do, mm-hmm. like, enjoy listening to the yeah. voicemails. But I don't want to spend the whole yeah. day on the phone. I don't like being on the phone on a normal day, much yeah. less my birthday. Yeah. So, the text thing is my preference. And yeah. so, I do try to be – And it feels a little more personal than just, like, a Facebook wall post. I disdain the Facebook wall Oh, thing. see, I like that. I know you do. I, and I think happy. I am the troll for not lying. I think I'm like okay, the only person sure. that doesn't like yeah. it. But by and large, I just don't, I don't find it super meaningful. But I feel like in the tears, like if we're actually friends, uh-huh. if we're actually you in a relationship, it's a text. 100%. Yeah. 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 Don't post on my wall. Right. I mean, I don't want like the 2,000 randos on Facebook to text me. That's right. for sure. No, I definitely either. prefer no, that. No. But um, but you have found like so I I just don't remember dates and birthdays very yeah, well. Zach, the next time we have Zach on, he can talk about that. I've forgotten his birthday so mm. many times. Well, the next yeah. Uh, but anyways, so now you've come up with a system that does like like even now as we're having this conversation, there's someone I need to text after this because mm-hmm. I know it's yep. their birthday. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the tool that we use and maybe what your recommendation would be to help this be front of mind for people. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to come up with what works best for you. Um, if you've ever listened to me talk about anything logistical, I will tell you to be using Planning Center for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very simple and all of that. And you can create workflows and all of that. But quite frankly, um, I support a lot of churches on Planning Center, and I think all that stuff is great. And it feels a little bit, just the way I'm wired, it feels a little bit laborious. And mm-hmm. so um, not to bore everyone, but if you have never heard, if you're listening and in any sort of administrative side of your church mm-hmm. and have never heard of the company called Zapier, you should pause the podcast and like invest time and energy into understanding it because it basically is this uh, is this software that causes different types of software to speak to one another. Mm-hmm. And Planning Center actually pl- plugs into Zapier. And so what I have set up is that on the day of someone's birthday, I think it comes through at 7.30 a.m., if they are like a part of our church and the certain kind of membership type mm-hmm. sort of thing, uh, membership type is a phrase that Planning Center uses. But uh, if you are in that, uh, we both receive a text message to our phones that it's that person's birthday. Yeah. It's just that simple. Yep. And so then it's like, and and, and also I've got... Uh, Everyone in our church is set up on Google Contacts Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of imports into that. And so in order to pull, I mean, you get the text message to see that, to hit like new message and send them. It's a very little output, but I think it really matters to people. Mm -hmm. And again, I think um, in a perfect world, would we just like to our hearts know everyone's birthday and just like that person, that that would be nice. And I think if you have a church of bigger than 10, it's not really possible. (laughs) And so uh, you have to have a system or process. And I think that whatever it is, that's the one we prefer. I think uh, if you are, and I think the thing that's important to keep in mind about all of these things is sometimes, especially in my experience, 
experience lead pastors. Um, there, there's like the system or process that exists and it just doesn't work right. And so they just abandon it. And so like, I tried the birthday thing. It didn't work for me. I'm going to move on. Well, so what does that mean? Let's talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. It's part of what like I do so often in my XP yeah. to understand what the actual problem point was. And the reason I saw this differently is that the workflow thing and the card and looking at it and logging into planning center was not something I was going to do regularly, mm-hmm. but everyone checks their text messages. And yeah. so I feel like, and I won't speak for everyone. You and I check our text messages. Yeah. So I got that this, I know who you're talking about. And I sent my text message this morning. Oh, you're better than me. Well, I actually appreciate that we don't always do it At simultaneously. The same time. Like, are they yeah. just sitting together? Yeah, yeah. that doesn't but, feel um, good. But yeah, so I think that uh, just that acknowledgement of like, hey, you matter. Happy birthday. Thank you for being a part of our church. Yep, I love that. Yep. All right, let's keep moving. We got a few more we want to hit. What else do you recommend? Yeah, I think uh, making sure that you, uh, this is one thing that I've had to grow in over time. Uh, I didn't think it mattered, and now I understand it matters so much. Mm -hmm. But sending flowers when people hurt, Mm, I think is really, I just, uh, and, and part of like what what caused me to grow in this understanding is a few years ago, my sister passed away Mm -hmm. and I was the executive pastor of a large church and like nobody sent flowers. Mm -hmm. And that really like hurt me. It's something I think about, uh, not like regularly, but uh, it just was not of consequence. And so I think uh, doing, doing our best to be sensitive to those types of things that we can like help. uh, Cause like, there's no one who sees flowers and it's like, like it just is a nice thing. It is. It yeah. like brightens up a room. <clears throat> and it's and often all of a luxury. Kind of I mean, with the exception of like Trader Joe's has pretty flowers for cheap. So mm-hmm. sometimes, but in yeah. general, like it's, it's kind of like, it's one of those things that very rarely do people go out and buy themselves a giant <laughs> bouquet of flowers. Just, it's me day. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Treat yourself. But I think like in, I even like thinking back on the thing that you just, that we were just talking about with the birthday thing. Yeah. I think a, an important principle in this is like, you don't want to miss the high points and the low points in people's lives pastorally. And so I think this is, it's about finding a meaningful way to be um, not consuming in people's highs and lows, but to be present so that when they reflect on their birthdays, their graduations, their weddings and their funerals, not their own funerals, but you know, the loss of someone in their life that they somewhere have the, memory that my pastor was present. Yeah, in those absolutely. Things. I think that's huge. And I think part of what we're trying to do through this whole series is talk about that kind of more philosophical or theoretical, mm-hmm. like, here's how we should think about this. Mm-hmm. And then also, here's how what do we, we should it? do. Yeah. And so find a good florist in your town and yep. build a relationship with them. So we yeah. have this woman who um, makes like unique and amazing bouquets. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's at the farmer's market, uh, mm-hmm. like especially through COVID. Um, I really like my heart grew like like the Grinch, like grew seven times larger for yeah. Or like the small business owner. Yeah. And this woman's great. And so I text her and I just say, hey, uh, we need flowers. Here's the address. She like sends me the bill via uh, Chase Quick Pay or something uh-huh. through our church. And it's all set up. We have an agreed upon price. Uh, she appreciates the, you know, quasi regular business. Uh, and, and we do them for more than just when people hurt. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the primary like uh, mm-hmm. thing we're trying to keep up with. Because again, if you're like, I think, I think, 
so often the reason that care doesn't happen is because the mechanism is broken. Mm -hmm. Not because our heart doesn't feel like I want to be loving, but just Mm -hmm. like, where do I even start? Like Mm -hmm. maybe you're not someone who, or maybe even, you know, let's not make you a bad husband. Let's say maybe your wife just doesn't like flowers. And so you've never even thought about you. There could be a florist across the street from your house. You wouldn't know that. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't know, put or and, and in this case, I don't want to take any of the credit. I reached out to someone in our church that I know I've seen have flowers at their house and said, how did you get good flowers? And she told me about this woman and made the connection. And so now I just reach out to, and it's perfect. But setting up that relationship with the florist, I think was a really good move. Like I went so far. It's why I'm doing it more because it's just so easy. Here's, here's, here's who we are. Yep. Here's why we're doing that. Didn't you get some kind of discount because of it? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We've got like a flat rate we pay that includes the delivery, includes all of that. And I do my best to give her a heads up, but she also like, obviously, especially if it's somebody passed away flowers that, you know, there's not always a heads up for that. Yeah. Uh, and so, and she's great and very reliable and I, uh, I think appreciates the business. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, another thing uh, that is huge for us is um, accessibility mm-hmm. of to leadership, like to us. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, a, I mean, I still meet people on a regular basis that, um, I mean, even, even one of the, I won't say who just on the off chance that somehow there's a connection here. Yeah. Someone very impactful in our church, um, that we met when we first moved here that had been at another church here for about a year serving at an exceptionally high capacity, Mm -hmm. um, like in weekly proximity to the lead pastor Mm -hmm. and the lead pastor never talked to them. Not one time. Didn't know their name. Didn't know their name. Didn't talk to them one time. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it's, we're not talking like this wasn't like a massive mega church. This was like a normal church and it was just a real massive relational, I would argue human fail (laughs) to not, to not be to some degree relationally engaged. And so we, there are plenty of things I'm sure that people leave Ridgeline and say about us, but Mm, I don't want this to be one of the ones that we could never get access to our pastors Um, and so we've worked really like, I think one thing that we do understand is that, that for many people, they equate meaningful time with love. Well, there's that, uh, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's something like, you know, how does a kid spell love and it's T-I-M-E. It's like an acronym for something, I think. Yeah. I can't remember the acronym. The principle, I think, is a, is a good one. You and took so, it further than I was ready for, <laughs> so I don't know about any of that. <laughs> okay. and, but, but that is, I mean, I, I would say it is uh, very, uh, again, like if you have a church of a thousand people, I understand it's far more complex and yeah. not just theoretically like we've been there. So we understand that is more complex. Sure. But if you are leading a newer church plant, kind of normal sized church, and no one can get access to you f- for a month. Mm-hmm. Like that's a problem. Right. If they don't have an easy, me- and which you'll, you can talk about in a second, but yeah. an easy mechanism to be able to, to get time. Yeah. Um, if you're not initiating time mm-hmm. with people, like I continue to say, I think at least 50% of the meetings that I have, I initiate. Yeah. Both the meetings I had this morning, I set up. Right. Um, so not just waiting for people to come sure. and ask, but taking the initiative on that. I just think that that makes such a, I don't know that I've seen very many things that make a bigger difference than just being able to sit with someone for an hour yeah. 
And it doesn't even have to always be like a really heavy count, but just to catch up on what's going totally. on in life, to be engaged in people's lives, sure. communicates to them that you love them, that you care for them, that you yeah. enjoy them. And it's just not that complicated. Yeah, absolutely. But it, but I, I do know that like sometimes there are, this is one thing I, I'm so thankful for you about is that you, you've said it a couple times in this conversation. Sometimes it's not a heart thing. It really is just like a system or a mechanism thing that's broken sure. that can then convey something that is contrary to your heart, Totally. which is, I don't care about you when the yep. truth is like, I don't know, maybe you suck at email or sure. whatever your thing, your, your system's not working. So like what would be some ways practically that you would point people to, to be able to do this well? Yeah. And I think some of this, you know, we talk so often about some of these things that we are doing, but so many of them are learned through the bumps that we've had along the way. Yeah. And I think even in the first church we planted, we just um, did not do this well. I think that uh, it, it, we created an environment uh, and it was really driven a lot by me, but we created an environment where you were a little other than. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, people would say, oh, he's just so busy or this mm -hmm. and that. Uh, and I think it was it was trying to uh, address that idea that like if you plant a church, it like owns and ruins your life and mm -hmm. your ministry and your marriage and your parent, all of that is just yeah. totally owned and ruined. And so I think we overcorrected too far yeah. the other way. I didn't give my cell um, phone to anybody. Oh no, like, it was, yeah, it was, none of that everything stuff. was real. Aloof. I think our we whole had... church has my cell phone oh, <laughs> at this point. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. But I think, uh, one of the tools that we use, it's called Acuity, uh -huh. they're Calendy. There's so many of them out there, but basically it's a tool where you put in all kinds of parameters. You have to, there's some work to be done to set it up, but then it plugs into your calendar People click a button and they can see your availability and mm -hmm. put themselves on the calendar. And I think that uh, what's interesting about that is this is something that I had begun using with some of the churches that uh, we support at MyXP mm -hmm. uh, pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, some churches responded well to it and other churches felt like, you want me to click a link to schedule time with you? What? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we have to at least look at if there is anything good about COVID. Mm -hmm. One of the things that is brilliant that has come out of COVID is the uh, ability to usher in like the technology kind of facet into mm -hmm. the church. I think there's been a big divide mm -hmm. and now people have had to, because otherwise you didn't have church for the better part of a year. Right. And so as a result, I think people are really used. I mean, I don't interact with anyone who's like email tag doesn't have like need time with me, set it up here, you know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. I think what we have offered for our church is that if you launch our ch church app at the very top of the home page, it says meet with pastor Ryan, you click it and they can, uh, I mean, not tomorrow, because as we record this tomorrow would be Saturday, but right. like the likelihood they could put yourself themselves on your calendar tomorrow is pretty high. Pretty high. And I think that um, I think that what I love about that we have gotten just some of the best feedback about our church has gotten. I love that your pastor is available. Now, here's what's true: you're not like just. Uh, you know, overrun from start nope. to stop. You're not getting up before the sun wakes up mm -hmm. and after the sun goes down, just still meeting with people. Yep. But you, you could, if I needed you to. Right. And, and, and so it's, it's like the idea of that security blanket. Yep. It's just like, it's, it's like having a pastor on retainer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like my pastor's there. And mm -hmm. as long as I follow the announcements and have downloaded and installed the church center app, yeah. I have the ability to click a button and yep. make it happen soon. And I think that, um, it just does so many things. So one, it's uh, comfort for your people. It's accessibility for your people. And truly, as people look for like why they might want to leave, what I know is the ability to meet with their pastor is not something anyone can 
ever say at Ridgeline. Right. And I think that that is, and, and because genuinely you will meet with anybody Mm -hmm. and I think that's important. And so, yeah, I think whatever tool you utilize. And I think that if you're, you're listening to this and you just feel like I could never open up my calendar, you get to decide how it gets opened up. Yep. And so as a result, I think like just deal with it. Totally. Yeah. So the next thing uh, I would say is uh, to be gentle in correction. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know it would be awesome if we didn't have to say that, but it'd be awesome if we didn't have to work to cultivate loving cultures. And the sure. truth is, we do. Yeah. And and oftentimes when we are in a situation that demands some degree of correction, we aren't always gentle. And right. I think we don't have time to do a deep dive today into why that is. Um, but I think when I think about it, I think so much of it has to do with empathy mm-hmm. and that the more, um, the more empathy that we feel and experience as we talk with people and try to put our, again, put ourselves in their situation and in their shoes and to feel what they could be feeling, all of those things, I think radically helps to be gentle. I think the more detached you are from the issue you're correcting, the 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 sure. less compassionate you tend to be because sure. you tend to look at it from this elevated position that is sort of shaming and like how could you how could you ever struggle with that yeah how could you yeah. ever make that mistake sure and um and while we would love to believe that we don't do that we absolutely do sure and so I think just being very intentional prayed up heart prepared all of that stuff if there's any amount of like correction that is ever necessary uh, with someone to just be very gentle with that. And I would say, especially right now, you know, like, because you've got like, I mean, I've had a couple meetings this week with people that are like exposed nerves is the way I would describe them. Like, Poke them yeah. at all, oh, and and it, the whole their whole life is going to come unraveled. And yeah. that, and so again, the answer is not don't ever correct dangerous or problematic behavior or any of that type of stuff, but just that we would do it in a loving way, which means being gentle in correction. Yeah, absolutely. So number seven, kind of our last one under this, and and as we've explained ad nauseum. That we don't expect this to be all inclusive, mm-hmm. uh, but I think one of the things that uh, we can do just to create a loving culture is making space available. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is, I drive by so many buildings. Church we buildings. don't have one, yeah. but we have a ministry center, which is yep. great. But so many church buildings that are so empty all week long. Yeah. So make your building open and available for use. I think um, uh, as we've gotten this ministry center, one of the things that we've worked hard on in the design and the layout and the equipping and mm-hmm. the outfitting everything is we want it to be a space that's available for use. So for example, we allow it to be used as a co-working space. There's a lot of people working from home looking mm-hmm. for a space outside of their home to work. Uh, we let it be used for uh, church activities. We let it mm-hmm. be used for personal activities. We mm-hmm. had, uh, you know, someone moved away and so they hosted a going away party here mm-hmm. at uh, that kind of thing. Obviously we got this ministry center one month prior to COVID. And <laughs> yeah. so it's been a little more challenging, but even uh, you know, one of the things that we want to call out is I think as you think about that, as you think about making your space accessible and available, uh, again, don't get caught up in the problem because you say that and immediately what I think of as the one who's more administrative is I'm going to have to come unlock it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to set the alarm and I don't want to give everyone an alarm code and I don't want to this and I don't want to that. Yep. And, and and so because there are so many problems involved or maybe you have your own full church building and well, our worship center has got so much expensive equipment in it and mm-hmm. our this and that and the other solve those problems. 
problems. And I think in our situation, uh, we didn't have to worry about the equipment as much. Mm -hmm. But what what are some of the things that we did? Well, first of all, there are countless... um, uh, app-driven uh, lock systems. And so we use one called Brevo. Uh, it was a little expensive to install, mm-hmm. but what I love Worth is it. no one has to unlock the yep. building. No one has to lock it because it's a magnetic thing. So you just like walk away and it locks itself. Uh, we use a ring uh, alarm system. And so because people have individual ability to get into the space, we use one alarm code mm-hmm. uh, that is kind of shared amongst the people at our church because if you got in, um, at all, you had to be able to be identified by your phone. And so that can be uh, granted and taken away. There's schedules created, all of those kind of things. And then the other things we've done are, you know, set up all our systems that are airplay. And, you know, we have like a Bose speaker that people can have music downstairs. And I got this weird connector that has all the different connections, USB-C and mm-hmm. lightning, and then just the regular headphone jack. So all anything of that. can be plugged into it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so I think doing your best to equip your spaces in a way that you're not called upon. And truthfully, whether it be our band rehearsal, whether it be uh, the going away party, all of mm-hmm. that, like, and, you know, and uh, we've got a page on our website that if somebody wants to use it, uh, they can schedule time. Yep. Uh, we've got kind of a list of like, I don't know, protocols, mm-hmm. clean up after yourself, you know, yeah. just be good, have good manners. Yeah. Uh, but people love it. And totally. I think that especially as COVID continues to uh, open up more and more, this will be a place where we can do meetups, where people can hang out. We, we've got like uh, a place where you could watch movies. We've got all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and every church is like such a great space that your people could use and benefit from and be a part of. Community I mean, can be built, you know, people, all that stuff. People who yeah. call your church home and invest in the time and energy uh, likely have helped pay for those spaces. Right. And I think, uh, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are probably like, yeah, but we've got we've to steward it well. True. Yeah. And I think, uh, so do that. And so do it within a way, but don't just look at it as a nightmare. Look at it as a way to bless your people with access to a great space mm-hmm. and figure out how to solve the problems that come up versus just assuming it's going to be too difficult. Yeah. I think whatever your space is, treating it like a museum is a mistake. Yeah, and absolutely. So I think for, and, and the concerns about equipment, I'm just always like, what do you have? You have gremlins come over for a party? Like, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen exactly? Yeah. And, uh, and like furniture is going to get worn and yeah. things are like, I, I do think, I, I don't know if you think about, so what is more important, preserving all of your furniture as long as humanly possible or providing an environment in which community can be built? Right. I understand that's like kind of a crappy way to, to frame it, but it's true. Like well, it matters that you create space that people can cultivate community. And I'm here to tell you that when all the furniture gets worn out, if it got worn out because your people got to use it and really enjoy the space, when you get up in front of your people, yeah, and they'll ask, buy a new couch. Right. Right. And ask them to contribute to yeah. those types of things or the new wing you're going to put on it's more than just the space that i spend 60 minutes a week right but but to ask them to help pay for the new steam room that's going to go on your office that you don't give them access to (laughs) people aren't fired up about that so as a servant of the lord i use the old steam room yeah attached to mine poor guy no that doesn't happen not at all (laughs) not at all all right well while all of these are really practical examples that that hopefully are helpful I, I do think that just in closing, it needs to be said that that no amount, like a lot of this stuff we've been talking about are behavioral things that we do. And the truth is no behavior will ever make up for an unloving heart. Mm. And so kind of we, we've tried to, and we'll continue to try to maintain this relationship between the philosophical, 
and the very practical. And so just in closing, I would say like, it's very important to not jump right to, all right, I need to do all seven of these things to be as loving as humanly possible. I do think, yes, it's important to do all of these things, but to start by really getting to doing an honest diagnosis of one's own heart and like, Mm -hmm. do I actually love people? Because there have been, there have been seasons in ministry for me where when I was posed with that question, the honest answer was like, no, I really, I, I don't really love these people. Yeah. And, and so I think the first place to experiencing a remedy for that is to be honest about it. And so if you have a loving heart, uh, it will result in loving behavior. And so if our cultures lack love, it might be symptomatic of, of a real lack of love in a leader's heart. And so I think it's really important that we genuinely and sincerely get to the bottom of that. That's good. So, all right, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, if, again, if you missed last week's uh, kind of introduction uh, to this topic, make sure you go back and you listen to that. But uh, those are a few of our thoughts on developing a loving culture. Uh, we do want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode. And uh, we always close the same way, asking you, if you're new to the podcast, that you'd help us in three ways, which is to subscribe wherever you listen, uh, to review um, the podcast if you just give it a star review. You don't even have to write anything up. Do we have any written reviews on our podcast? I haven't even looked. Yeah. Yeah. Are they mainly good? Yeah, they're all good. Oh, okay, good. That's awesome. Do more of that. Yeah. Write more about how nice we are and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. How Tyler's the talent and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a huge thing is we would love to be able to connect with you on social, uh, social media, especially Tyler really wants to hear from our singular listener in Idaho. Yeah. He is anxious. I owe you an apology. He's anxious to apologize for how harsh he was to your entire state. (laughs) And And I made you about only potatoes. You didn't until just now. No, I said you. Yeah, I don't. Did you think say you heard potatoes? Me. I, well, yeah, I said that I don't really like potatoes. So. Oh, well, yeah. I violently disagree with that sentiment as well. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram uh, at at Ryan Hughley. That's H U G U L E Y. You can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D R E W I T Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>